welcome to Justice Today, the official podcast of the Department of Justice's Office of Justice Programs, where we shine a light on cutting-edge research and practices and offer an in-depth look at what we're doing to meet the biggest public safety challenges of our time. Join us as we explore how funding, science, and technology help us achieve strong communities. Hello, I'm Jim Dawson, the Senior Science Writer at NIJ. Um, I'm speaking today with Greg Button, a Forensic Science R&D Program Manager at NIJ, um, about the microbiome. Um, Greg's portfolio includes trace evidence, impression and pattern evidence, and the microbiome uh, research being done by NIJ. Over the past decade, the human microbiome, consisting of trillions of bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live in and on every one of us, has become increasingly important to criminal investigators as they've realized that we all leave traces of our unique microbial evidence wherever we go. The field of microbial forensics was born out of necessity in response to the 2001 anthrax attacks in New York, Washington, D.C., and Florida that killed five and infected 17 others. The research and microbial forensics has advanced significantly since then. Greg Dutton has been working with the microbiome researchers funded by NIJ. So welcome, Greg. Thanks, Jim. I'm really looking forward to talking about microbiome today. I should note that this is just a small portion of NIJ's forensic science R&D, but I think it's a really interesting one. Let's start with the basics. Can you describe the microbiome? What is it? Is it unique to me? Uh, That kind of thing. Yeah, so um, microbiome, if you think about uh, about the word biome, biome is a community of living organisms, right? Um, Microbiome is a community of microscopic living organisms. So we're talking about things like bacteria, viruses, fungi, right? These are the things that live on us and with us. Um, you know, we, we, we carry bacterial uh, communities uh, in and on our bodies. So our gastrointestinal tract has a microbiome that's very important to our health. Um, humans have a microbiome, a community of, of microorganisms uh, on our skin that actually uh, helps to keep our skin healthy too. So um, these communities of bacteria, viruses, um, they, they're, they're adapted to the environments that they live in, right? So some of those are the environments of our body. So they're adapted to the environment of, of our skin. And, um, you know, our skin is different between individuals, right? So, you know, some people have uh, drier skin, oilier skin. Um, so the microbiome that we carry depends, it, it's characteristic of an individual, but um, it's not necessarily identifiable to an individual. So I think okay. that's the distinction there. We're talking about communities of bacteria that are characteristic of everything about us, age, sex, um, diet, health, but um, not necessarily something that is, can be tied to a specific individual person. Okay, thanks. And I understand, I mean, again, we're talking huge numbers, right? Each of us has trillions of bacteria on and in us. So this is a major community that we carry around with us that we just don't see and are often unaware of. Yeah, I I know 
you know, you, you've probably seen it said that, um, you know, the majority of our body is really um, not human, right? It's made up of bacteria. Um, I don't know to what extent, you know, that's true, but that definitely there are trillions and trillions of bacteria and viruses that are, that are a part of us. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they adapt to us. They're characteristic of us. They tend to be, uh, have some stability over time. Um, so if you uh, sample the microbiome of an individual over time, it will tend to have some stability, and it ha will have some differences from others. Um, another interesting thing is that, you know, it's been shown that um, the microbiome of people who live in the same household tends to converge over time to become more similar. Um, also, people who, who have pets, they pick up um, bacterial uh, populations from their pets that then adapts to live um, on and with them. So there are things about the microbiome that are characteristic and telling about us. I could scare myself thinking about this, but for the most part, this is a good thing, right? They're there for a reason. They do us good when things oh, are absolutely. functioning normally. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, right. We're living in equilibrium with them, right? And they're, you know, some that are, that are really critical for our health. So a lot of the research, you know, that we're talking about in terms of forensic uh, trace microbiome, the research really was started in health and medicine research because it has been increasingly understood that our microbiome is critical of, uh, uh, critically um, interrelated with our health and wellness. So that was the spark for this whole research area. And now researchers are just seeing how it can be applied to forensic problems. Greg, I understand that advances um, in DNA science and computing over the past decade have uh, uh, increased the likelihood that microbiome can become a useful tool in forensics. What exactly has changed from 10 years ago or so that makes this possible now that wasn't possible back then? Uh, yes, so uh, there are a few things that have really come together. Um, the, the first thing was the development of the sequencing technology. So this really came out of the Human, um, human Genome Project in the late 90s. Um, so that set the stage. So, so uh, researchers had the tools to um, sequence the microbiome. And the next thing was, was really figuring out um, how to make sense of all the information that they were getting from this, this sequence data. And that um, really came together with, uh, under the Human Microbiome Project that followed on in the uh, mid to late 2000s. Um, and the, the key thing that happened there was the community, the microbiome community really converged on a standard for um, analyzing and comparing uh, the microbiome. And it's, so it's called the 16S uh, ribosomal RNA um, profile standard. We can talk about sort of specifically later, you know, what that is. But the, the key thing was that um, they all had kind of a standard to use to um, measure uh, and define um, how similar or how different, you know, a microbiome uh, was to another. So those are the key things that came together. Um, now, you know, with that, then they were able to go on and, you know, apply these analytical techniques to, you know, certain areas. And, Forensic sciences is one of them. 
So when, when did NIJ become interested in this? I know we uh, support a lot of different research in different areas of forensics, but microbiome, how do we get started on that? So our, our support for microbiome research has, has grown over the years. Um, I think one of the first um, forensic uh, areas that microbiome was used to analyze was actually analyzing soil evidence, right? So that's, mm-hmm. that's a little different, right? Certainly different from, you know, human skin microbiome, but, you know, soils have characteristic microbial profiles for sure. That was the first area. Um, then, you know, after the, the, the human microbiome project, um, the researchers under that were looking for places that they could apply their expertise. And so, you know, I think in the early uh, 2010s, uh, we started to see those researchers uh, come to us with ideas for how they could um, use uh, uh, their microbiome techniques to try to answer forensic um, questions. And so we started to see um, uh, proposals um, looking at, uh, I think the first ones actually were in um, decomposition. So using microbiome as a tool to follow the decomposition process to try to determine how long it's been since, you know, um, uh, uh, a cadaver has been, um, has been decomposing. Um, some of the, the researchers that, that started that, um, they were at the University of Colorado. They moved to um, UC San Diego. They, they then got interested in um, the area that we're talking about now, which is sort of skin microbiome and touch transfer of uh, the skin microbiome. And we funded a number of projects under that um, uh, in recent years. Um, but, you know, there are other areas of forensic application that microbiome is, is active in now. Uh, body fluid ID, for example, if you have a, a, a stain that's collected from a crime scene and you want to figure out, you know, what, what is that? Is it blood, semen, saliva? Um, microbiome is a way you can help classify that. So. We've seen it touch all kinds of corners of forensic science. And in the touch side of this, I understand looking at a couple of research reports that there's sort of a last person touching. So if you have four or five people in a room or if I think in one of the studies they had fake burglars come into a space and touch objects that have been touched by the residents, then they were kind of overlapping and they couldn't distinguish earlier touches. So I guess, how good is this? What does it really tell you at a crime scene when you swab surfaces and find samples? Uh, what, what are you yeah. really learning from this? So that, that's an interesting project. So this is, um, this is a study from uh, University of Chicago, um, Jack Gilbert. And that's interesting because they were, they were building on, um, you know, some, some prior studies that sort of uh, establish the fundamental um, uh, questions. So, you know, you first had to, they first had to, you know, study and, and determine whether, you know, a person's skin microbiome is stable over time, right? Does it change? Mm-hmm. Is it, can it be differentiated from someone else? Um, so they had to do those things first, right? Then, then they went to, to more sort of classically forensic questions. So questions there, um, you know, so this, this mock crime scene that they did, the questions are, you know, 
is evidence transferred from a person to a surface at a crime scene? And can you collect that and, and measure it, right? Um, mm-hmm. So I agree, you know, it, it was interesting. They, they had some success, but um, they, were, uh, they were using a, a fairly small set um, of people. Um, so, you know, it wasn't exactly like a real world scenario. And the, the most important thing that they found out that actually is going to be a challenge for using microbiome as trace evidence in the future is they found that they had to collect the evidence uh, within an hour of it being deposited. So, you know, one of the things about, you know, our skin microbiome, it, it lives on us, but it, it needs our skin. Like that's the best environment for mm. it, right? When it's, when, it's, um, when it's transferred to a surface, uh, it's dying, Right. So right. if you don't get to it and collect it and keep it cold um, pretty quickly, uh, it's going to change. The characteristic profile from the person who deposited it will be decaying, right? So um, that's one challenge is, you know, you need to collect it quickly. Um, uh, you said, you know, they, they noted that it really it tended to retain the information of the last person touching, right? Right. Um, that that also is true, although that may not be so bad from a forensic um, perspective. Um, if at least you can get the last person touching and you predominantly see that, you may be avoiding getting mixtures, which is a real challenge and problem with human DNA evidence. So that was an important um, proof of concept study, but it definitely showed some challenges that uh, forensic microbiome for touch analysis is going to see in the future. Thanks for listening to part one of my conversation with Greg Dutton and tune in to part two for the rest of our discussion of the microbiome. To learn more about today's topic or about NIJ, visit the links in the episode description and join us for new episodes every month. Opinions or points of view expressed in this episode represent a consensus of the authors and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of the U.S. Department of Justice. Any products and manufacturers discussed in this episode are presented for informational purposes only and do not constitute product approval or endorsement by the U.S. Department of Justice.